doing tonight? Good. Good. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, it's so good to be with you guys. Uh, like Isaac said, uh, my name's David. I serve on the missions team here at First Orlando. Uh, for a while, I served on our young adult team uh, doing campus ministry at UCF. Some of y'all were involved in that. Uh, shout out UCF peeps if you're in the room. Um, but man, I couldn't be more thrilled uh, to be with all of you tonight. Um, if we haven't met, please come give me a fist bump. Come give me a high five, Corona elbow, uh, Corona heel, uh, air hugs, if that meets your fancy. Uh, whatever your Corona greeting of choice is, I love to connect. Um, We'd love to meet you guys. Let's start here. 2020 has been insane, has it not? It's been crazy. Uh, there's been wildfires, uh, hurricanes in Louisiana. Uh, there's that thing called COVID that's been a global pandemic. Um, it's an election year. It's been crazy. It's been insane. Uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle threw up the deuces to the royal family, right? Said bye, Felicia. Uh, it's been crazy, right? It's been insane. But here's what has my attention. And maybe it has yours too. Injustice. Injustice. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Now, you may hear that word, uh, injustice or justice, and you may go, yes, I'm so excited to talk about this. No one's talking about it. But maybe some of you hear that word and you're like, oh, man, there's that word. And my encouragement to all of you, man, I'm just going to try to create a safe space tonight for us to all engage with it and think through it, think what the Bible has to say about it, and honestly, uh, bring you along in my own journey, in my own journey with this topic. Um, I am a white kid. I don't know if you knew this. I am a white kid that grew up in Lake Nona, uh, played baseball for all of my life, one of the most American sports you could play. Um, I grew up in a safe, stable, Jesus-following home. Um, but that's been my experience. Maybe it's been yours, maybe it hasn't. But I'm aware that, you know, I'm coming from one side of this, okay? And, and my goal is just to bring us all along in the journey that I'm walking through with Jesus and just kind of share with y'all what I'm learning. Now, part of my learning process, uh, like I said, I've, and Isaac said, I've been serving on the missions team here at the church, and honestly, serving in missions has just given me this really cool opportunity to engage with local opportunities and um, things in the city, um, and honestly, wrestle with injustice in our own city. Now, one of those uh, events actually happened about two weeks ago. Um, I don't know if you know our, our pastor, Pastor David, but the dude can dream a little bit. He is a dreamer, okay? So he comes to uh, me and Patrick, my boss, and he says, hey, y'all, I'm going to do my best Pastor David impersonation, okay? Hey, y'all, uh, I was talking with Rachel, his wife. I was talking with Rachel the other night, and I'm curious, what if we did this? What if we got an ice cream truck, an ice cream truck, okay? That's totally Pastor David, right? What if we got an ice cream truck and we drove it over to an apartment complex here in the city and we just threw this huge ice cream party uh, for people over in Washington Shores? Maybe you know where that's at. And me and Patrick said, yes, we would love to throw an ice cream party. Like, who wouldn't want that? So we make this happen. Um, we go find this really cool ice cream truck. It's got like 70s, like spray paint on all over it. It's got graffiti. It's super cool. Coolest ice cream truck I think you could find. Just my own opinion. 
But we get this ice cream truck set up. Uh, my role was to make sure it got there uh, around 2.45 on a Wednesday a couple weeks ago. And I make sure he's there. My other role was to take pictures. I was the press for the event. Um, so we get the truck there. And then about 3 o'clock, about 100 families, 100 families show up to this little complex to have an ice cream party with me and our 6-7 pastor and it's just a great event, right? It's super fun. Um, along the way, like I said, I'm, I'm taking pictures. And I notice that Pastor David has basically started a football game over in the, over in the kind of grassy area. And, you know, our 6-7 pastor is over there throwing the tightest spiral I think you could throw. Side note, the pastor, our pastor has a great arm. Like, I don't know if you knew that, but he's an athlete. Just side note. That was for free. But... He's over here starting a football game. He's throwing. And um, I'm like, yes, this is a photo op. Like, totally. So I'm on my way over. I see it. I grab my phone. And I'm walking over, totally like, you know, get my journalism vibe on. And I go over to take a picture. Then I see out of the corner of my eye, I see an older gentleman in line. And I'm like, oh, I just kind of sense this feeling that I should go talk to him. So I go over and engage him, and man, this guy is, honestly, um, he's experiencing poverty. He's in a season of homelessness. It's pretty clear. So I walk over, and I engage him, and we just kind of chat it up, cut it up for a minute, um, and I start to turn away, and I notice something. I notice he doesn't have shoes. He doesn't have shoes. And not only does he not have shoes, um, he has a gash uh, basically running from his pinky toe all the way to his heel. I don't mean to make you queasy, but, you know, it was clearly infected. Um, I, I saw the, basically the inner workings of his foot. And this is five minutes down the road from where we're sitting now. And it left me queasy, and it left me just thinking and trying to process, like, man, like, this guy is walking around without shoes on at an ice cream party. So I take my pictures, I get in the car, and I'm just kind of trying to process this really fun event, but also this kind of really low point. And I ask this question, what do I do when I see things like that? Maybe you've asked this too. What do I do when I see injustice? What do I do when things aren't as they should be? What do I do when I see wrong? What do I do when I see wrong? Table, family. People are experiencing crippling poverty, not just in our city, but all around the world. Table, babies are being aborted by the thousands all around the world. Women are being trafficked all around the world for sex and their bodies. Table, things aren't as they should be. There is wrong in this world. There is injustice. Things aren't as they should be. I don't mean to disturb you. I don't mean to guilt you. I don't mean to cause you to feel uneasy. 
I just want to be realistic that this is something people have to navigate. What do we do when we see wrong? What do we do when we see wrong? Now, like I said before, justice is a polarizing, divisive, complex, controversial issue that is in the last year, the last few years has come to present itself, and this is something we have to wrestle with and have Christian answers to. But I think part of the division and the complexity and the confusion um, is that we don't have clear definitions, okay? So let's start there. I think we could define justice as this. Justice is making right what is wrong. Making right what is wrong. Now the question presents itself once we have a clear definition of the practical, right? So what does it really look like to make things right? When we see things that aren't as they should be, when we see things that are wrong, what does it look like to make things right? And adding to the confusion is I, I think some, some of our friends approach that differently. And I appreciate it. I appreciate their boldness. I appreciate how they're trying to navigate this. And I want to create space just to kind of have a conversation with them. Okay, but I want to start here. There seem to be some of our friends um, place themselves in a, in a rage justice camp. Rage justice. All right, the, these are our friends that they see things that aren't as they should be. They see things that are wrong. And they think maybe the best way to make things right is to be angry, is to be hostile, maybe to be a little petty, um, and should all over people. Now, like I said, I appreciate their boldness. I appreciate what they're aiming for. But I think they may be missing um, a recipe or ingredients that are part of the recipe to God's idea of justice. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But to give you kind of an illustration of some of our friends that I'm talking about here, let me tell you about uh, a family that posts up outside of SeaWorld uh, next to me and my wife's home. Uh, we live by SeaWorld. Any SeaWorld fans out there? Yeah, we got some SeaWorld friends. Okay. Did all of you grow up in Orlando like me? Because, you know, I'm a big SeaWorld guy because I grew up here. But anyway, me and my wife live uh, basically right behind SeaWorld. Y'all know the Renaissance that's on the other side? Okay, we literally live in an apartment complex right behind it. We could walk to go hang out with Shamu and the dolphins and all sorts of things, okay? Um, so what we like to do is take bike rides. Okay, we love bike rides. We like active. We're both college athletes, so we like to get out. That's how we like to spend our quality time. Uh, we're on a bike ride. We're hitting on our fifth mile, coming down Central Florida Parkway, and we see a, young, a youngish family. All right, it's a husband and a wife. Uh, they have two small kids. They're in a stroller, and they have uh, posters and a megaphone. And you're like, oh, man, here we go. Right, so we're on, our, we're on our bike ride, and we're rolling up. And we're like, man, what are they doing? Like, what's, what's going on here? Like, ah, oh, man. And basically what they're doing is they're protesting SeaWorld. Now, they're permitted to do that. I don't want to judge them. Okay, they can have their opinions. But how, how they're making this happen is maybe a challenge. Okay, so we're riding up, and we're like, oh, man, we see what's happening. Basically what they're doing is everyone who drives into SeaWorld, they have the megaphone, like, right at their window, and they're like, don't go to SeaWorld. Like, you know, save the fish. Like, just screaming at people. And that's okay. I don't mind what they're saying. But how they're saying it, it's maybe a challenge. 
okay? So basically, Sammy and I uh, observe this, and we basically get on our bikes and J-ride uh, to the other side of the, of the road here, and we're like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to mess with this. I want to go home and watch uh, UCF hopefully win, <laughs> hopefully win, and drink sweet tea and sit on the couch with my bride. Like, I just I don't want to deal with that. This is what rage justice looks like. Maybe you're here tonight and you re- resonate with this. And I just want to affirm your boldness and affirm what you're after and affirm the ideal you're chasing. But I maybe want to invite you to consider what God has to say about this in just a minute. Now, the other camp is what I'd maybe call bandwagon justice. Bandwagon justice. Y'all know in sports when we talk about, oh, you're a bandwagoner. It's the team that does start doing really good, and then you have all the fans that just come out of nowhere to support them. Hey, Celestin, hey. <laughs> um, I think this applies to justice as well. Okay, we kind of have the bandwagon justice friends. Coming from it at a, a few different angles, okay? Um, when George Floyd was shot, okay, some of our friends, me included, posted the black icon on our social media, but then didn't really do anything afterwards. That's bandwagon justice. Now, let me flip the script a little bit. Um, some of our friends love to follow vloggers of, you know, a, some political persuasions on either side, and they love to follow people that walk onto a college campus and get their megaphone and ask gotcha questions to unsuspecting victims, right? And they catch them, and they demean them, and make fun of them, and then post it on TikTok, or if you're old school, Vine, if that's still a thing, I don't know. Uh, and they make fun of people, right? And some of our friends like that, and we're kind of just follow whatever the culture is writing as a script for what justice looks like. There's, those seem to be the two kind of polarizing options. But I think there may be a third. Not just rage justice, not just bandwagon justice, but godly justice. Godly justice. And that's what I want to call us to tonight. That's what I, what I want to invite us to consider. And I think we can find that in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and flip there now. Or if you have a phone or an iPad, or if you just have it all memorized, you know, because you're a varsity Christian, that's cool as well. All right, but let's go ahead and flip there now. But before we do that, can I pray for us? Can I pray for us? And then we'll jump in. Let's pray together, guys. Jesus, we love you. Um, God, thank you for your vision for justice and offering a third option, a better option. God, help us to orient around the truth you have for us in Micah 6. Um, but God, help me to be helpful. Help me to be clear. God, I pray that you'd open our hearts to what you may have for us tonight. We love you, Jesus. Let me pray. Amen. So Micah 6, verse 8. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Let's read together, guys. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. 
So in, in trying to think through what godly justice looks like, God, through Micah, is basically offering two truths for us here. Two truths for us. The first is this. Justice is God's idea, not man's idea. Justice is God's idea, not man's idea. Justice is, is not this humanistic response to observed evil in the world. From the very beginning, from Genesis chapter 3, God has been doing justice, making right what is wrong, and he continues to do that now. Justice is at the very center of God's character. Let me put it to you this way. God is the perfect social justice warrior. God is. Now maybe you're here and you're like, I've never heard about this God of justice thing. Like, what does that look like? I'm not sure how, how to filter that. If I could, I would just like to read scripture over y'all that communicates God's heart for justice. All right, so let's put on our Bible hats, Bible scholar hats, you know, Awana hats maybe if you were about that. But if I could, I'm going to have verses on the screen. And I'd love for all of us um, to just kind of read together, okay? Not out loud, but I just want to read this over y'all, Okay. Isaiah 61, 8, for I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Isaiah 30, 18, therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Deuteronomy 10.18, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Matthew 23.23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Psalm 89, 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. Matthew 12, 18. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. From start to finish in the biblical narrative, and even through now, God has been doing justice. He has been seeking justice. He has been making right what is wrong in the world and also in us, right? Also in us. God's kingdom, the foundation of his kingdom is justice and righteousness. He's, he is writing this grand narrative of redemption, and justice is the vehicle for that. Justice is God's idea, not man's idea. Now the second truth. Check out uh, the, the latter half of, of this verse. Not only does he call us to do justice, and that's from his character, he also asks us to, to love kindness and walk humbly. Love kindness and walk humbly. 
Now, it's very interesting because in, in kind of reading that in passing, those seem to be at odds, right? Justice seems to be this thing that's bold, that initiates, that moves. But then he asks us to love kindness and walk humbly. But here's what God's trying to communicate to us. Justice is not opposed to kindness and humility. Justice is not opposed to kindness and humility. And here's why I think he's doing this, okay? Uh, Justice and people that love justice, man, they move and they go and they're bold and they're initiators and they rally people and they have bleeding hearts. But maybe you've met someone like this. Sometimes they aren't very kind. They aren't very kind. Maybe you've met someone like this. This is your typical social justice warrior, right? They see a need and they move and they call people to it. And if people aren't getting on the bus with them, they're like, jog on. You're the worst. They're pulling a Prince Harry and a Meghan, right? They're just like, bye. Bye, Felicia. They aren't very kind. Let me give you a personal example of this. So during uh, coronacation, during quarantine, right, um, we were all just kind of locked up in our homes, playing cards, eating a bunch of Twinkies, whatever your snack is of, cor- uh, of choice, your guilty pleasure. Mine is uh, Fudge Stripe Keebler Cookies. Okay, so if you're ever in the mood to bless me, you know exactly what I could want, okay? Now, um, on one occasion, uh, I received a Facebook message. Do people still Facebook message? Like, is that a thing? Like, okay. So my friend Facebook messages me, and he invites me to basically a, like, trivia night that basically is a fundraiser for the coronavirus, okay? Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, so on Friday night, and that's when my date night is with my bride, okay? So like my res two friends have, have told me, I need to set healthy boundaries, right? And I need to guard myself and set limits and make time for uh, me and Sammy to go on a date night, right? So I say, I'm going to establish healthy boundaries. So I say, hey, man, unfortunately, I have a previous commitment, and I can't come. Now here, here is his response, and I quote, Do you hate humanity and love viruses? How could you, period? Like, what? I have a date night, bro. I'm sorry. This illustrates something. My friend is is committed to justice, but he wasn't very kind and humble in his application. Okay? He wasn't very kind or humble in his application. Now, here's the thing about this passage. What it illustrates is that um, we can think about justice in the ideal. We can think about God and his character. We can think about theology. We can think about his attributes in the ideal. But what God invites us to do is to put legs on this and get practical and get real and love kindness and walk humbly. God's inviting us to not just think about the ideal but to do the real. And if you don't hear anything else, considering these two points, if I could give you a big idea, it would be this. Justice remains in the ideal until love becomes real. Justice remains in the ideal until love becomes real. Justice is a vehicle of love. 
Justice sees needs and meets them, not just in boldness and anger and frustration, but in love and humility and kindness. Justice remains in the ideal until love becomes real. Now, to illustrate this point, if I could, um, I'd I'd love to take us back to June 12th, 2016. Maybe you know what that date is. But on one morning, um, me and my family were on our way to church. I had just come back from a brief stint playing college baseball in Missouri, hung up the cleats, coming home, wearing high white Nike socks, tennis shoes, khaki shorts, Nike dry fit, Braves hat. Y'all know kind of what I'm talking about. So I'm there, and um, I, uh, I'm there on the way home, and I'm riding with my family, and, uh, you know, basically, we hit Orange Avenue, Hofner, OBT, and basically, we, we encounter a detour, and we head over to another detour, and another detour, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? What's going on? And we're not really, really we really didn't think that much about it until we got into service. Um, I'm like, man, okay, whatever, that was weird. We get in our seats, like the second service, we're a little bit late because of the detour, and Pastor David gets on stage. Pastor David gets on stage, and um, like, a, like a doctor giving a patient a bad news, or bad news, he says this. Our city is now home to one of the largest mass shootings in history. Pulse nightclub had been attacked by a lone gunman 43 people were killed, uh, 49 people were killed, excuse me, and 53 people were injured. And injustice had been done to the LGBTQ plus community, our friends there. And I was like, oh my gosh, what are we to do about this wrong? How do we make this right? Fortunately, we have amazing pastors. David Youth, Danny DeArmas, our leadership team rallied, and we threw a vigil and we mourned the loss of these lives. And we celebrated these people. We cared for their families. We did all sorts of things. After that, the story doesn't stop there. Our Spanish ministry pastor, uh, he, <laughs> he started a life group and loved people and created a safe space for people to vent and process and ask questions like, why would God allow this? Why this evil has been done? Like, what happened? Israel created a safe space. He knew that justice in the ideal wasn't going to be much help. But justice in love is what changes things. Now, not only did these people, uh, not only did they vent and were in a life group? They ended up starting to follow Jesus. And they got baptized. And the ultimate injustice led to their justification before God because of love and because of Pastor Israel and because of our leaders at First Orlando. They knew that justice remained, justice that, that remains an ideal doesn't, uh, doesn't do much. Only love in action does the work of justice. Table family, justice remains in the ideal 
until love becomes real. Friends, table. If you're here tonight and you're wrestling with what to do about justice and you're seeing all the narratives and you're, you're confused on what to do, simply love. Simply be kind. Simply walk humbly. That's the work of justice ministry. Table family, that's the work that Jesus invites us to. We don't have to operate in rage. We don't have to be bandwagoners. We can just simply do godly justice. Not think about ideals, but get in the real and love people. Table. What if, what if we in 150, 170 young adults in Orlando were committed to the idea of justice as a vehicle of love to our city, to our neighbors, to our networks, and to the nations? What if that was possible? I think it is, because y'all are smart and you're amazing and you love the Lord and you love justice, but you are loving. And my encouragement to y'all is this. Lean into the criticism that may come. Because guess what? When we move and we do justice, some of our friends in the rage justice camp may call us soft because we're not hostile enough or we're not angry enough or we're not extreme enough because we're not just trying to do justice, but we're trying to do it in a loving way. Now, some of us, you know, some of us in the, in the bandwagon justice camp, uh, we may try to go do justice and love kindness and be humble, but we may do so in a way that's actually a little more bold than our friends are used to, and they may go, you're too extreme. That's okay. We may just need to embrace criticism and receive it, because guess what? That means that we're moving somewhere, and we're being bold, and we're being obedient Now, my other encouragement is this. Cultivate teachability. Cultivate teachability. Table, I started with this, that I have one experience in my story. Some of you all have had very different experiences than I have. I would invite you to consider what that looks like for you to be teachable and hear other perspectives because um, teachability may be the only shortcut to making justice work in a loving way. Finally, this. I'd also encourage you um, to uh, execute a plan. Execute a plan. We're going to have an opportunity, actually, as a very clear next step this Saturday from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at our Center for Pregnancy. Some of y'all are already signed up. Shout out, y'all. Um, I'm going to be there, my wife's going to be there, and uh, we're going to go practice justice. The Center for Pregnancy is committed to saving lives, literally. Channeling my inner Chris Traeger there, literally. Y'all are Prox and Rec fans. Women come into the, the Center for Pregnancy and they're like, hey, I'm pregnant and don't know what to do. We're going to help them and support this ministry by doing justice and loving kindness. And we're going to pack bags that have little beanies for babies so that the mom knows that they have clothes and it reminds them that there is a baby inside of them. 
If you have any interest in joining us, I'm going to be in the Connection Lounge. Uh, I'm going to be hanging around tonight. Come find me, and I'd love to get you a link to sign up. Table, let's do justice. Let's love kindness, and let's walk humbly with our God. So in response, what I'd love for us to do is think about this question. What is wrong in the world that I could make right? What is wrong in the world that I could make right? We're going to take about 90 seconds uh, to just have a moment of reflection and silence. We've heard from God's word. Now we're going to think about what he wants us to do about it.